welcome to this episode of Beauty Biz. Um, I am pleased to announce our new guests for this week, who are the lovely Charlene and Vivian from The Beauty Fridge. So I'm going to throw to you guys, if you don't mind introducing to who you are, to our listeners, that'd be lovely. Perfect. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. <laughs> I am Charlene, one of the co-founders of The Beauty Fridge, and I've got my business partner here. I'm Vivian, the other co-founder of The Beauty Fridge. So we were colleagues back in 2018 and I only knew Vivian for about three months before we went on this business venture together. Which oh, wow. Is, it sounds bonkers, but, and yes, yes, it is. Yes, that's so that's, definitely. That's a whirlwind romance, that is. It, it honestly <laughs> is. We we clicked straight away and um, she was honestly like a sister in a way. Yeah. <laughs> we had like a sister friendship from the get-go. But, yeah, we, we were only th- talking for about three months and, um, you know, we were back and forth about how miserable we were working in corporate. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess we bonded over the hatred of that. That's so, <laughs> why we were like, you know what, I really want to do a business. Like, what can we do? So it was like months and months of back and forth. And we finally landed on this thing called a beauty fridge, which we actually found on Pinterest. So one night I was scrolling on Pinterest and I was like, oh, that's so cool. I found this little picture of a lady who was using a little bar fridge. And she was putting uh-huh. her skincare in it and I print screened it and I sent it all to all my friends and I was like, what do you think about this? Is this cool? Is this is this too extra? And is it just <laughs> me who's into this? Like, I don't know. And then I remember going to work the next Monday morning and asking Vivian, like, do you think this is crazy to have a skincare fridge? Like a fridge dedicated to your skincare, right? And she was uh-huh. like no, let's buy one. (laughs) So I was like, okay, cool. So we were Googling, like, where do we buy one? Do they even exist Mm -hmm. in Australia? And we found that no one actually sold one that was dedicated to, you know, skincare, beauty, your self-care routine. So we were like, YOLO, let's Mm. make one ourselves. I remember being so devastated not being able to purchase one because I just knew I needed it now (laughs) and it was nowhere to be found. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, there was that hole in the market. It was sort of one of those gadgets that was so, I guess back in 2018, no one really thought of having a little fridge to put your skincare in. Like me and Viv already put our skincare next to the mayonnaise in our regular fridge. Yeah. 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 So we were like. Cheap masks. Yeah. yeah. In the, you know. Next to the eggs. Next to the eggs on the top, (laughs) you know, the door shelf, you know, getting marinated amongst your other stuff. (laughs) Um, so this was just one of those things we were like this is such an innovative little gadget that we think would make our self-care routine that much easier rather than walking downstairs and upstairs all the time to your kitchen fridge right so Yeah. yeah that's just a little bit about us and then two and a half years later we're here yeah, that's how our baby started. So what makes it a skincare fridge specifically? Is it just that it's, you know, small enough to kind of fit in your bathroom or does it is there like a different temperature? I don't know. I'm thinking my most bougie thing at home is that I have a wine fridge and it goes to like a mm. di- like a different temp because you want it at a different temperature to the rest mm. of, you know, to your eggs and whatnot. Yeah. What makes it a skincare fridge especially? So the skincare fridge, we wanted to design a fridge that was specialised to put your skincare, not only would it look aesthetic and nice next to your bedside vanity or in your bathroom, but also at the right temperature. A lot of kitchen fridges, they do go below freezing point, Mm. which actually isn't very good for your skincare products. Mm -hmm. So our fridge actually goes in the more recommended temperatures from zero to three degrees. 
So it really keeps the products at a stable recommended temperature instead of where it could literally freeze. <laughs> yeah, inside. right. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. suppose you don't want it all going. I know, I know that happens to our lettuce sometimes. You know, you look in there and yeah. you put it too close to the back site. of the fridge and it's gone all <laughs> frosty and gross. Yeah. Sometimes you'll have varying temperatures in the fridge when you put, you know, you keep opening it and you're putting things, you know, reheated foods or like you've, you've got your cooking and then you want to put in your leftovers. Like it does vary. So that I think would also have an impact on the quality of the skincare if you're keeping it in there at, at those temperatures that keep varying. And mm-hmm. I guess yeah. we had it in mind with like even the shelving components that we put in there. We knew we wanted to, to fit, you know, the sheet masks in one section, smaller items on the top section. You know, our 10 litre even fits taller bottles as well. So it's still cute and compact enough, but it has mm-hmm. a skincare lover in mind. And also it is multifunctional, so it does have a hot setting. And the oh. hot setting's really good for, yeah, like, you know, massage tools. We put our hot ah. pots, hot wax in there and stuff like that. And you can put a facial towel. So that's really good for, you know, your self-care routine as well. Oh, so that's a smart idea. Too. Yeah. And another thing that we have is we do have a card cable that you can attach to the fridge. So if you do want to bring your skincare on a road trip or even chuck some Sneaky wine in snacks. there, you can definitely <laughs> do that as well. I love this. This is such a You guys have thought of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Look, you know, I I, I get it. I get it. And I guess we're all spending, I mean, well, certainly I am, but um, I think everybody and particularly over the last couple of years is spending so much money on their skincare, right? Like it's a pretty big investment. It's a huge investment. And me and Vivian were saying like the amount of money we've spent on skincare, like one skincare item alone, Mm. um, you know, vitamin C, retinol can get super expensive. Oh, I know. I'm on the SkinCeutical CE for all lick and it's just, it's it's a very (gasps) expensive habit. We've been saving up for that one. We're like, we're just like, you know, skincare is so expensive and like to have have a special place to put it. Yeah. It just adds that little bit more, you know, of extra that. care and, you know, time into your skincare routine yeah. and to have a little house for them. It's just, it makes it that much more special, mm-hmm. I think. And and preserving the benefits of them too, because you're, you've got them at the right temperature. You've got them all in the one place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. perfect. Definitely. Yeah. Are they more popular in um, like kind of warm and humid areas? We actually thought that would be the case, you know, having a look at our sales and stuff like that, but they're not. Like we do find that it's actually really equal. There's no real, um, I guess everyone across the board sort of sees the importance of, you know, the calming and soothing Mm. properties of cold skincare. Yeah. Which is um, really interesting. Because Mm. putting your skincare in the fridge also helps with de-puffing. And also, you know, helps calm the skin. So it's something that I think... We can all appreciate. (laughs) Whether it's in cold weather or hot weather. Because at the beginning we were like, oh, maybe it'll only sell on the Gold Coast, you know, where in Brisbane it's nice and sunny. But that was not what happened. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. So, girls, I was going to ask, take us from the water cooler discussions, you know, three months into you guys like working together in your corporate roles, having chats about it in your lunch breaks, ideating, swapping Pinterest photos and and all these sort of um, inspirational things that you were finding online. How did you take it from that to the finished, like the product that was then the beauty fridge and the website and the launch? How did it go from, yeah, the water cooler conversation to actually launching it on site? 
So from the very beginning, I guess, you know, it was super difficult because we're both working nine to five and, you know, we were working in the libraries after work, (laughs) after hours to work on this idea at each other's houses. We would work on our one hour lunch break. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, I guess no one tells you before when you start a business how to actually start a business. So the first few months were a lot of questions. What do we do for a business plan? Where do we even begin sourcing? What are the certification requirements requirements to launch in Australia? So many questions that we had to, I guess, Google and look up ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And it was almost, I would think like from the conversation starting to us, you know, um, launching on May the 31st in 2019, there was about eight months of just pure research, you know, buying in stock samples, getting certifications in check, um, setting up a website. You know, none of us have had ever coded a website in our lives. Yeah. Like our backgrounds are like Vivian's marketing and I have a background in, um, like I've got a Bachelor of Business, but that didn't teach me much clearly. It doesn't. doesn't no, go. I have one of those too. It doesn't no. help. <laughs> exactly, Kate. I was like, I remember finishing uni like, oh, I want to start a business. And I literally did a Bachelor of Business, but I don't actually know how to start no. one. Yeah. So that was um, a really big learning curve for me and Vivian. Like we, we'd never done this before. We'd never started an online business, mm-hmm. but we were, you know, we were willing to learn. And if you put in the enough hours to research, you know, okay, step one is a business plan. Step two is, you know, we've got to register the domain. We've got yeah. to buy, you know. And then step three is, okay, let's get in samples. Let's source suppliers. Let's get certifications working. And then all alongside you have to find, you know, a graphic designer because we're not graphic designers either. So it's mm-hmm. like, and then you need a photographer and the, the list is never ending. Yeah. It really it is. kept going. Oh, gosh. But it was an expensive exercise, but <laughs> I guess one that we were willing to um, invest in at the time. So, yeah. yeah, it was about eight months. So did you put your own money into it or did you have to borrow from friends or family or how did that work? Really good question. We actually put our own savings into it. It was about, um, to be really transparent, it was about $50,000 to start up. Um, And that was just pure money that me and Vivian had saved up from our graduate roles. Earning next to, you know, not a whole lot when you're in your first role out of university. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, And we were like, you know, we had questions from everyone like, why aren't you buying a house with that money? Or like, why aren't you doing other things with this money? They think you're bonkers for starting a business at that age. Oh, well, you are a bit bonkers, but like in a good way. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the theme is you kind of have to be, right, if you're an entrepreneur. I think it's this idea Mm -hmm. of like really taking some very good calculated risks, but it's that relentless kind of motivation to just try something new and be really keen to keep learning new things and trying new things. So I think that's super cool. Yeah. I think you have to be a little bit mad. You do have to be. And we were only, I think I was 22 at the time. Vivian was 23. 23. So it was at the time in our lives, we were like, well, we've got no responsibilities. We've got no mortgages. We've got no children. We've got you know, essentially nothing really holding us back from taking this step, this leap of faith, mm-hmm. you know, what, at the end of the day, we lose a bit of money if it all goes, you know, down the drain and it fails <laughs> miserably, but it's, you know, a lesson that we've learned. And, you know, throughout the time from launching, I mean, no, before launching, we'd done so much research and even to today, we're still learning different mm-hmm. things about 
the business itself and we obviously don't know everything still yeah. so it's an ongoing journey that, you definitely yeah. learn along the way 100% yeah I'd, I love the way that you um that you talk about that because that was very that was kind of always my thought process too at the start um of Adora it was just because yes everybody does think you're a bit mad and you could be spending your time and money doing you know something else or going and getting a proper job and um but yes there I think I think it's a good way to look at it you go okay right well what better time than now you know if not now then when if not me then who and you may as well <laughs> give it a crack and and the, if the worst comes to worst that you've you know sort of blown a bit of money but had had a couple of years learning a lot mm. then it's sort of you can I, I would still look at it and go that's a, that's a pretty good outcome hey Charlene I was going to ask you um I've read that you actually spoke about Kate uh, speaking at your university graduation ceremony. Um, oh, really? At, at Monash did back I? in 2017. Oh, my yeah. goodness. When you did that Bachelor of Business that you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 with the stupid hat on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say, you know, you, you're talking about learning. Was there anything from that moment that kind of inspired you or pushed you to start in 2018 or anything that you've carried through right up until now? Um, in in your yeah in your experience as an entrepreneur. Great question, Danielle. But yes, Kate, you did speak at my graduation ceremony. Oh, that's so neat. In twenty seventeen November. Um, so it's a few years ago now, and I th- I always think of that speech as like almost like the catalyst or like a butterfly effect event for me in my life because it was sort of like the pinnacle of, wow, Kate's done this. Her story, your story was so inspiring, by the way. And it's funny right now that we're talking because it's like a full circle, isn't it? I love that. Oh, that's such a great story. Because your story about, you know, starting in a garage and like, you know, you were learning money with your um, partner's uh, father at the time. Like, I was like, oh my goodness, if she can do it, I can do it, you know? And I was just... It sparked an entrepreneurial spirit in me. I think it was always there because I was always into like listening to podcasts about women in business and stuff like that during university. But I think at my graduation ceremony, especially as everyone finishes university, you're a little bit scared to step into the corporate world. You're not too sure about yourself. You don't know what route you want to go down because I did a really broad business degree. You sort of can go anywhere and do whatever you want with a bachelor Mm -hmm. of business, really. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you sort of feel like a bit of, you don't, you feel a bit directionless finishing uni. I don't know. I I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a, um, you know, one particular passion that I was into. For example, like one of my friends, she's a pilot now, but she's wanted to do that since she was eight. Yeah. Whereas, like, I didn't have that feeling coming out of university and I think your speech really, like, planted a seed in me and, you know, it made me realise, like, you know, I just need to fo- focus some time, some effort into saving a bit of money as I go out of university and just take what risk comes at me and, you know, find an idea that I'm really into and roll with it. So oh, that's, that's what I so did. exciting. Oh, that's making me all teary now. That was a lovely Hello. story. Thank you for sharing that. No, but yeah, it really changed my life. That was probably the cat. I don't think we would be here right now. Well, I th- you know, I th- I'm sure that you would because I can see from the two of you. I mean, I'm very flattered, but I'm sure that you would because you know we can see that you, you the the two of you clearly have that entrepreneurial spark that drives you that you know that little bit of you know bonkers in a good way um (laughs) that that I think you have to have and just the willingness to to take a punt on yourself and even you know I love the story of you both kind of 
working out all of the different hoops that you had to jump through or things that have to be ticked on the list? Because honestly, that's really all it is. I feel like uh, a lot of people had this kind of mystery about the entrepreneurial journey and actually it's just going, okay, well, right, what are the things that I have to do and can I figure out how to do them? And um, mm. and you won't you won't have the whole list of them from the get-go because you've never mm-hmm. done it before, but... But it is just that, you know, putting one foot in front of the other until you get there. That's actually all it is. It's many roadblocks on a, t- on a checklist and you're going, How, I don't know a single thing about compliance for electrical goods that I'm importing, but I'm going to go and speak to somebody. I'm going to research how I find that out and I'll, I'll learn that and I'll know that and then that'll be the next hurdle that I move on from. Like, I think that's super cool. The persistence and the resilience is a huge part of, um, I think, what has led you guys to where you're at today. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think there's, we were talking about it before, we were like, you know, heaps of people can have so many ideas. You know, I have like three business ideas in a day, you know, like that's how my brain sort of operates. But it's the difference between having these ideas, but putting them into action and actually making the, you know, the thoughtful steps into creating the business is the difference between someone who starts the business and someone who just always has ideas and never takes action. So I keep telling myself that. Yeah. And that's what pushes us every day. I think like, you know, we actually made that jump and that risk. And, you know, these are the rewards. So yeah. That is exactly it. That is exactly it. It's the only difference because ideas, I mean, everybody has ideas and ideas are honestly, you know, dime a dozen and and it's funny because yes you 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 do hear a lot of people like oh you know I've got this I've got this fantastic idea and it's you know and and you would have to sign an NDA before I would even (laughs) tell you about it and it's like yeah (laughs) but ideas actually don't really matter what matters is that you know is the execution and the slog of breaking down all of those barriers one by one as you come across it so you should be very proud of yourselves. Thank you. This is another moment in my life where I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) So ladies, three years in, what have been the biggest things that you've learned in this process? I guess we've we've come through a lot of challenges and stuff, but like I think one of the really big lessons we've learned is I guess budget and uh, cash flow Mm -hmm. is very important. And also hiring the right people, I think. You know, when you first start the business, you're wearing all the hats. You're the accountant, you're the pick and packer, you're the marketing graphic designer, you're the CFO, you're the CEO. And I think, you know, when you start something and you're doing everything yourself, it becomes really hard to let go. And we realised that we can't be, you know, 10 places at once. We can't do everything ourselves. And sometimes finding the right people to help you achieve achieve your goals is the best route to go. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Because I guess one of the biggest ones was like, myself and Vivian are not very tech savvy. So, you know, it's outsourcing the things that you have, you just don't have the time of day to do. We don't have the time of day to like sit there for 12 hours at a time doing a Facebook ads course, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's just understanding that, you know, these are things that we're not very good at, but you know what, as a business owner, you don't have to be good at everything. You don't have to be good at every single aspect of the business because that's almost impossible, I'd say. Yeah, it is. Um, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, getting that, that's why we've, you know, 
Yeah, that, that's definitely one of the biggest lessons. I'm trying to think of a specific thing because there's just so many that you learn throughout your journey. Maybe what are the biggest challenges or the biggest kind of, oh, crap moments that you've had to, oh, you've had to go we through? We have many. Oh, <laughs> everybody does. So just tell us about some of them. This is the tea, guys. So like, <laughs> um, well, I guess one of the biggest oh, crap moments is definitely always to do with our stock. Mm-hmm. So we, we've had uh, not multiple product issues, but maybe two major ones that were quite concerning. Yeah. I guess one of the really funny ones was customers were getting fridges with the actual glass door the upside logo, down. Upside down. So oh, okay. we were thinking to ourselves, how does this happen, number one? Number two, are people packing fridges upside down? What's going on? Like, we, yeah, so the glass door was physically upside down and we had to go back to our manufacturing and be like, you know, it's where's the quality control, guys? What's Come on. going on? What's happening? <laughs> Let's tighten it up a little bit, hey. Because it's quite an embarrassing error, <laughs> especially when you get the customer's and they send photos through. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. you see it and you're just like... Oh, God. It's just like, oh, God. And then you think to yourself... <laughs> out of everything. How many How many are like this? And then... They're out there. Oh, yeah. God. Oh. And then it's... Gosh, it just, the stress. So the stress. And, like, another mm-hmm. one which was... We're actually in conversation with Samantha at Adora about this product issue which happened in 2019. We had a batch of fridges that... Essentially, it's a part that's like the motherboard of the fridge was just dying. It was dying after like one or two months. And it was this very specific batch that came in at that time. And myself and Vivian were like, oh, God, like the wave of, you know, dead fridges begins now, you know. And And we were so concerned about it because we had so many complaints. Mm -hmm. And myself and Vivian were like, we need to fix this as soon as possible. And yeah, it was just so many meetings, trying to find out the issue, holding stock because we couldn't essentially ship it out. out. Um, So there was a Uh lot of dead stock in our warehouse and we were doing, you know, some recalls and we ended up having to recertify the product again and having Uh the whole model remade. Yeah, remade because we, we essentially changed. So when you change a part out of a fridge, or any electrical item, you have to get it recertified. So essentially mm-hmm. we took out the part that was sort of bugging mm-hmm. and we had the whole fridge recertified again, which is an expensive uh, exercise. Yeah. But, you know, we understood the importance of, you know, having a brand that was reputable for its quality. Yeah. And investing in, in that was, you know, of the utmost importance and also having happy customers. <laughs> right. Yeah. I heard yeah. you say, Charlene, oh. growth is expensive. And I was like, in my head, spoken like a true entrepreneur. They know what they're talking about. Oh. It can be really costly <laughs> to invest and you've just got mm-hmm. to keep going, believing in your product, believing in yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Daniel, totally mm-hmm. right. Because, you know, I think for a long time we were stuck into, because with a startup budget, you're sort of, you hit a glass ceiling where you can't afford container loads of stock at a time. You mm-hmm. can't fully invest into marketing all at once. You, you, there's certain Certain things you just have to, you can't do. You just have to be very yeah. frugal. And I think with at the beginning we were like, okay, we just have to have enough money for stock. Stock is what's going to bring us money. But no, it's not. Your website has to look good. Your checkout process has to be perfect. Your photography has to be good. Good. Your social media presence has to be on point. You know, yeah. it's all in combination. 
that is the brand presence, the brand awareness that will mm-hmm. add to growth. You can have one thing, but if you don't have the other, it just won't flow. And yeah, it's not just about having stock, which was what no. the mindset we were stuck in for the longest time. But now we've realized growth is expensive and we must invest it in is. You know, a holistic yeah. approach. Yeah, I think um, the whole idea of overnight success or that, you know, if you've got a product that's successful, oh, well, you must be killing it. It's well, yeah. <laughs> we'd love it. It's kind of hard on the inside. Yeah. yeah I remember the first day when we launched. We were um, like, wow. Yeah, we had about, I think we got 15 sales in like the first 10 minutes. That's amazing. And Viv, me and Ruben were like, wow, wow, this is amazing. Wow, we can quit our jobs tomorrow. <laughs> and then we're going to be like, rich. Yeah. And then it was quiet for the next 24 hours and we're like, maybe not. (laughs) And then I think also you have to keep in mind when you see the money coming in, you can't just think that you're going to be rich, you're going to quit your job, you're going to be able to, Mm. you know, go on a big holiday. You have to reinvest that money Mm. and that Mm -hmm. money that you've made throughout the whole three three months can be gone within a second after you pay for your stock and your, and your container yeah. shipping. Yeah, so. stock ads, you know, paying out workers, paying, you know, packing yep. utensils, everything's expensive, you know. Yeah, so, for sure. Goes on. Yep. So how did you guys balance the, you know, the nine to five and the the business on the side? Were you, was it a lot of late nights? Were you packing orders on weekends? Don't we have a story for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were actually, I remember when we were, remember when we were launching the, the website, it yeah. was, I think we did like three nights straight at the library and it was like till midnight. And on the day before launch, we worked till 5am at the library. Yeah. And then I remember going home showering and going straight to work because even Vivian at work having to do our nine-to-five job at the computer. Stressing out as well completely. after we finished work we came back to my house and then launched the website and that was just like when I think about it now it's it's insanity how we managed to do a nine-to-five and then do that at the same time I'm like that's crazy. I think it was like one of the first days that we actually finished our nine to five job on time. Usually we'd mm-hmm. work yeah, a little bit over, but after that we were five o'clock, we were gone. We were driving to Charlene. Like yeah. we need to prioritize. Yeah. 10 minutes till launch time. Yeah. Yep. But it was yeah. just very chaotic. Our lives were chaotic for the longest time working nine to five because only yeah. we've actually only gone full time doing TVF recently. And I guess that brings up the other thing about like, you know, we weren't paying ourselves this whole time yeah. for, yeah. you know, almost two years into the business. Yeah. Because yeah. we were working full time trying to juggle this nine to five, you know, and that yeah. involved going on calls. We had 60 minutes on lunch break to go on a, you know, call with the supply or you had... 40 minutes after you drive to Vivian's workplace to meet up with her. Yeah. yeah. And it was just all all over the shop, wasn't it? Yeah, we definitely sacrificed a, a lot of sleep to... Yeah. Weekends, weekends spent packing. Weekends as well, yeah. Yeah. Small yeah. things. I don't think anyone who sort of hasn't done it would really understand the extent of the sacrifice that you go through but yeah no I didn't get paid for two years um yeah so yeah I was still studying so I just lived off like which was like rice and beans um (laughs) it's definitely difficult and I feel like you don't see the side until you're 
physically living it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. A lot of people. I guess now that we're working on it full time, we can sort of look back and think to ourselves, how on earth did we ever fit in another job? Mm. Like, yeah. how did I get up in the morning, go to a nine yeah. to five? The amount of growth we could have potentially had if we quit earlier, it just, it, we can't have It's regrets, always the though. trade-off, isn't it? You know, mm. do you want to eat or do you want to grow your business? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do eat? Dinner oh, or the business. True. So, yeah, no, <laughs> that is it. definitely true, Kate. It's like, do we, you know, pay full attention to our little baby that we've created? or mm, And nurture it. Or nurture yeah. it and, you know, focus on it full time and give it its all, you know? Or do we... We also have lives to save for, you know, me, me and Vivian have partners. We've got, you know, houses that we want to buy. Yeah. We've got, you know, we want to move out of our parents' house sooner or later and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a trade-off, but it's a lot better now that we're working on it full time. Yeah. And it's essentially what you're working towards. You don't start a business to have two jobs running concurrently in your life. And I think like the most important thing, because obviously we launched in 2019, May, but COVID hit us maybe I'd say six months straight after our launch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think working from home with my nine to five job, as well as doing the business on the side, it almost magnifies the problems in your life. Like I don't, you sort of think to yourself, okay, this is what I want from my life moving forward. I'm going to work towards that. And I think COVID was just that time and that space that you needed, the pace, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that. A lot of, you know, people are really this working from home, this being in a bubble that is the COVID lockdowns has probably really accentuated the thoughts around actually what does my life, life look like outside of this when we get back to some normality? How do I want it to look and what do I have to do to get it to that point? Yeah. So how do you... How do you envision um, the growth of the brand? Like what's next? Yeah, so we have a lot of things in the works, especially for next year. We do, don't want to give too much away because it's going oh, to come be on. quite... come on. We won't tell anybody <laughs> much. <laughs> well, I guess one of, one of the really big issues that we've encountered, which is probably the next hurdle for us, is our actual brand name. The name itself. So this sounds so odd, but yeah, the beauty fridge, we didn't know this when we were 22 or 23, but we didn't realise that naming naming a brand off the product that you're bringing out is actually so restrictive Mm -hmm. and it's probably our biggest mistake (laughs) um, because now we're thinking to ourselves, well, who wants to use a sheet mask that's made by the beauty fridge or has the beauty fridge branding on it or who wants to use a jade roller that's got the beauty fridge on it, right? It just, in our minds, it doesn't work for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're trying to combat next year mm-hmm. and we're, st- we're working towards um, rejigging that this at the moment and there will be a lot of interesting stuff coming out next year. Mm. Yeah, okay. we found some ways to combat it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm smelling a hint of a, you know, a rebrand and a bit of an overhaul and some lots of extensions into Sounds different Sounds like new products. products, so that's always exciting. Yeah. 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 So still under the wraps, nothing's everything's a bit up in the air at the moment, but definitely it will happen in 2022. Yeah, I we're think. super excited to ex- essentially introduce cold skincare, the idea of cold skincare to a wider audience, Ooh. making it more fun and innovative as well. Yeah, new yeah. gadgets, new gadgets, new, gadgets. new things on, in the horizon, I think. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm intrigued. <laughs> yes. 
um, I was going to ask, you are a digital first brand, so you launched on site, you you came with bricks and mortar presence after. Um, what are the biggest gains from that? You know, I know you had, um, when you launched, you had a sign up wait list of about 5,000 people and a lot of your awareness has really been built in that space. What are your, your biggest learnings or biggest advantages of, of launching in that way? Really good question. I think the we, myself and Vivian, grew up in such a digital age, mm-hmm. I feel, because I was like in year 12 when Instagram came out and we had, you know, the Greta Van Reels of the world conquer, um, you know, businesses and e-com and stuff like that. So we were already, we knew that this was the type of business structure that we wanted to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the growth potential and the you know, the influence of social media and the influences at the time, it was... Making huge waves. Yeah. yeah. So, and, um, and I guess having being an online business, especially, especially throughout coronavirus, since we're not a brick and mortar store, we sort of, you know, flourished in that environment. It was e-com. It was all about e-com, I think, um, which we should be really thankful for, actually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having the brick-and-mortar presence, um, which is only through our stockist, Maya, that was incredibly surreal for us, I think, going into store and seeing Seeing our physical product. Yeah, Yeah. it was – I remember we got dressed up for the day and we walked in store and we were like (gasps) – we were so to excited (laughs) and then we got really shy. (laughs) No, but – I think having that brick-and-mortar presence as well has been really important for our customers because a lot of them are a bit – I guess apprehensive. It is a luxury priced product mm-hmm. and it's sort of a new gadget that not, I don't think we've reached, the market potential is still a long way to go mm-hmm. with the idea of the beauty fridge. So people go in, like our customers say they go into store and they, you know, like the look and the feel of it. And then they finally make the jump to purchase from our range, yeah. which is has been really beneficial for us. Even when I first met Charlene, you know, she told me about your speech that you did at her university. And I remember one of the main goals that we wanted for the business was to be stopped by Adore Beauty. Oh, yes, that was a goal. It was probably (laughs) one of the biggest moments for myself and probably more so Charlene. I know when when Adore Beauty, like, actually... Replied to our email. Yeah. (laughs) I remember, I think we were, like, we ran to the first aid room so we could talk and we were like... (gasps) Adore Beauty replied to us yeah. and we were like, oh my gosh, this I remember is happening. Before even sending the email, reaching out to you guys, we were like, took us almost an hour to press send. We were so nervous. <laughs> it just goes to show because my, my mum actually always told me from a young age, if you don't ask, you're never going to get. get. Mm-hmm. You True. don't get. And I think that's something me and Vivian have really taken on board. If you don't reach out and if you don't ask, you're never going to get it. Or the worst you're going to get is a no. Mm-hmm. That's and it. you know what? If you get a no, you just ask them next year. Like, ask again. Which we <laughs> learned it. from you, Kate. That's Good a great tip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love that. So, Wonder where yeah. you picked that up from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've loved hearing your story today. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. You too. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, ladies. Have a lovely day. Take Bye care. Now. Bye now. See ya. Bye. Oh, Danny, I can't believe this is over already. We're here. How do we do five episodes? It's I just have no that's idea. gone so fast. Maybe they'll give us a spin-off. What do you think? Yeah, I think let's we ask. should pitch. Let's pitch. <laughs> Maybe for we'll it. do like a 
a comeback series or something in a few months' time. That's right. Part two, because I feel like there's <laughs> so many more stories to tell from the amazing founders that we mm. have on a door. Like there's so many fantastic women-founded brands and I love hearing about the hustle yeah. and the resilience and yeah. There were so many common themes. Like when looking back to all the five episodes, you included, like so many common themes, but it also what I really loved was everyone had a slightly different take on things and, you know, a different lesson or a different learning. Like I think if I think back to to yourself, you know, I learned from you that it's okay to ask your in-laws for some money, um, which is really great. <laughs> I mean, don't do it often, but sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think about Ava and my big take out there was innovation is is super cool and everybody, you know, particularly in the world that we are, we're in, in beauty, innovation is something that everyone's super hungry for. But for an entrepreneur, it's really high risk. There's a lot at stake there and, you know, she really yeah. talked to that and, even Olivia, like I've spent quite a bit of time with her, but her story was really heartfelt, which I loved. You know, I thought there was so much heart in what she does and she cares so much. And I think that stands for a lot in business these days. Oh, I think it really does. I think it really mm. does. I mean, for me, there were a few like kind of common threads mm. across all of the stories, even they're all a little bit different. I think definitely they all had to show just really tremendous resilience through, you know, really difficult times or things where it looked like, you know, everything, everything yeah. was just kind of um, pear-shaped. was just kind of going pear-shaped or everything was on fire. And and mm. I think it's I think it's a great thing actually to kind of normalize the struggle and just take a bit of the kind of shiny Instagram gloss off of things because I mm. don't think that's what a business journey actually looks mm. like from the inside. I think there's just, there's so many times where things are going to be really quite difficult or, you know, you'll have to solve just a seemingly insurmountable problem mm -hmm. um, and you'll have to find a way to get through it. But I think they all did that. I also think there's there's this great sort of common thread of hustle, you know, of mm -hmm. having to sort of move forward before you know what you're doing, before you yes. feel confident and actually prove to yourself that you can do it mm. by doing it and, and knowing that that's going to feel scary and that it's going to be stepping outside of your comfort zone and that you're going to have to work out how to do things that you do not know how to do. You know, there's kind of no manual for this. There's no rule book. Yeah, that bravery is like obviously really inspirational for me, I think. But, you know, the, the women have done a huge service for us and our listeners to, to really put a spotlight on these tough things that happen. Yeah. Because it is real. It is what happens. And, it, you know, if that is to give any anyone listening now um, a little bit of reinforcement that that may be what's to come, but you'll get through it, you know, because all these yeah. women are shining examples of um, really successful businesses that have come through hard yards and probably will keep going through them. But, yeah. um, you know, they're really built, they've really got a strong foundation behind them because of the experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm. for sure. And there's and they've all made sacrifices too, you know, huge amounts mm. of time and money and, mm -hmm. you know, mortgaging their yes. houses stress. and investing, yep. you know, and, and all of the stress that comes with that and their savings and, and everything and all of the, you know, they all kind of gave up these yep. better paying jobs mm. to do this and and follow their dreams. And I think that's, um, 
I mean, I always find that just massively inspirational, right? Like to kind of take everything and go, no, I believe enough in this that I'm going to back myself. Yeah, I found found this group really inspirational. So if they're listening, a big thank you to our lovely ladies who we got the pleasure of interviewing. Massive, massive thank you. Yeah, of Beauty Biz. It was so much fun. We loved it. I hope maybe there's somebody listening out there who's been inspired by this series to maybe take their own leap. So perhaps in a couple of years you can come on the podcast, our spin-off podcast. Exactly. Come on and tell us all about it. (laughs) We'll be ready and waiting for you. 